Hello and welcome to episode 180 of the Batflip Crazy Podcast, where you'll always find enthusiastic, data-driven fantasy baseball analysis and strategy. I am your host, Toby. Today is edition number 84 of Bubba and the Batflip. Bubba and I are going to be taking a look at week seven. That's right, we are in week seven uh, of FAB. We are, we are approaching um, the quarter mark of the season. Uh, 25% of the way in. A lot of batters at this point in time have about 150 plate appearances uh, under their belt, if not slightly more. Um, so as always, a very interesting time of the year. It's It's been challenging. So many injuries, uh, some t- really brutal pitching performances. Uh, you know you know who we're talking about, and, and Bub and I will talk about it a little bit more. But it's still, we still got three quarters of the way, 75% of the season to go. So keep Keep plugging away at those leagues. Keep doing doing everything you can. Um, yeah, we're going to talk week seven fab. We're going to answer a bunch of listener questions. Uh, let's get this party started. And welcome back, everybody, to another episode of Bub on the Bat Flip, episode 84. Here to recap your week seven fantasy baseball fab, the big movers and shakers, and kind of the thoughts going forward with those players and probably talking about some strategy and other good stuff along the way. Got some listener questions at the end, as always. You can find myself on Twitter at BDentric and my co-host, as always, on Twitter at BatFlipCrazy. Toby G, how we doing, man? Uh, we're doing all right, Bob, but we're trying to maintain a positive you know, positive outlook. It's yeah. trying to remain positive. Mm-hmm. That's what we're trying to do uh, on the show today. Cause it's been a, it's been a struggle. I know a lot of people are hurting with injuries. I know a lot of people are hurting with uh, players just, you know, hitting under 200. And I've, I've managed to accumulate a lot of different shares of players who are achieving both of those outcomes. So, um, but you know, again, remaining positive, Keep it positive for the listeners and 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 help help all of us rejuvenate our seasons. Yep, I'm with you. It's uh, it's still technically a long ways to go. About three quarters of the season to go, so a lot can still happen. Um, like last week, I remember in Tout Wars, where I'm down near the bottom because I have everyone injured. Uh, I had like three good days to start the week, and I went to the middle of the standings, and then by the end of the week, I was back on the bottom. So, <laughs> just a, cu- a couple of good days can change a lot of things. It's 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 still still time to make things happen. Uh, it's just crazy because the last couple of weeks, the fab hasn't been as wild as it was to start the year because A, not as much money is out there anymore. And B, this really hasn't been the, I guess, the game changing ideas, uh, uh, additions, I should say, at the moment. So we'll talk about some of those. But yeah, it's been a very interesting year. Um, we have a question coming up later from our good buddy, Mr. Uh, Mr. Buxton fan club member. I'm going to throw that one out there for you. Um, he's got one that stung close to heart because I... I meant to respond to it. And I didn't. He has the situation that you have, that I have, and that some others have. And it's just when our two aces are Lucas Tulito and Luis Castillo. Yeah. Yeah. Good times. Yeah. Hey, but Castillo got, struck I've out 11 today. Teams. Castillo struck out 11 today in five innings. And that three-run homer he gave up was a very good pitch. So I'm going to I'm gonna grain of salt that in the back of my head that he actually pitched pretty well. I'm going I'm to go with that yeah. for now. But no, uh, I, baby, I, I baby think- steps. It's it's absolutely remarkable. At one point in time, I tweeted out, you know, he had made thir- he had made thirteen outs. Eleven of them were strikeouts, which means on balls in play, six of the eight had either been home runs or base hits. You know, his his bat up against was 
600 at that point, I think. That's, that's and, pretty um, impressive stuff. Yeah, it's just like, just when he looks like he's getting it there. But those are the breaks you make. I mean, you know, the pitch was, it was certainly not down right down the middle. It was a little maybe elevate higher than he wanted it to be. But, you know, th those pitches will happen many times throughout the course of a game. And the question is whether you the home run is hit or not. And yeah, everything that could go wrong has been going wrong for him. But certainly encouraging. I mean, I think it's hard not to watch that and be encouraged that we may see better things to come. I feel like he's primed for two no hitters in a row, you know, That'd like with nice. no I'm hitters with happening the way with the amount of positive regression he's got coming his way. I mean, mark it down here. Luis Castillo will either get a perfect game or two no hitters in a row this season. We are going bold to start things out here. Bold. I'm loving it. Right out the and he'll gate. Still be, he'll still be god-awful in his ratios. It's still going to be rough, but uh, yeah. we're going bold here, so I appreciate that. Um, but let's uh, let's get into some of the um, the additions this week on Fab. As usual, we go over NFBC. The, um, we just do the player movement page. We do all formats, so it combines main event, TGFBI, OCs. So it's a little skewed in some respects, but it also shows the, mo the most acquisitions, period, on, on things going on here. And the top ad this week was Logan Gilbert of the Seattle Mariners. The rookie uh, made his debut last week. He pitches as his second start on Wednesday against the Detroit Tigers. He was um, already added in some leagues because he was uh, drafted and dropped, and so some people picked him up, some people held him. But he was adding in 270 leagues. I'm assuming that's the rest of the leagues that he was available. And this is a weird one because he went as high as 337, as low as one, of course. I know in a 12-team league on NFBC, I got him for $31 with no backup bid. I, I saw Jeff Zimmerman tweet out he got him for 63 with no backup bid. I know some people obviously spent well in the three digits. It was a it was a very wild week when it came to like volatility and bids, especially for the bigger names. That like I th like I've talked before. I just kind of throw like um, keep modest bids, thirty one bucks. I'm like ah, well we'll see what happens. Not even an opposition at it blew my mind. So what's your thoughts on Logan Gilbert? Because the stuff is good, but he's young, and I'm, I'm I think it's gonna be a roller coaster ride. Yeah, I mean it's always tough to know what to expect from rookies when they come in. Uh, his first outing obviously started a little bit a little bit rocky, but when you look at the underlying metrics, they're still really good. You know, again, we're looking talking about four innings, but it's how what we have to go to go with at the at the big league level. And it was against who was it against Cleveland, I think. So not yeah, necessarily the, the stiffest of competition, but <laughs> there's a lot of not stiff competition out there uh, at the moment. But you know, he got swings and misses. He got chases on pitches outside the zone. He was able to dominate in the zone. Uh, he didn't walk anybody. He struck out you know 27.8 percent of the batters that he faced. So. You know, a nice a nice little outing to start off because the results at this point are just kind of meaningless. So the skills are good, and you know he he comes with excellent prospect pedigree. I think people have high expectations for him. He pitches in a great ballpark. You know, the winds are going to be tough. Who knows? I mean, runs are one thing, but Mariners are just working on hits at this point in time. Like, can they can they can they get a couple of those? <laughs> Yes, uh, walk, uh, crawl before you walk, I guess. Um, yeah. As they've been no hit through three innings by uh, by Spencer Turnbull or or it's yeah, Turnbull. perfection so far. Um, and so yeah, so I just think I think you know he's one of the pitchers that should make a difference this year. Uh, and so I think people being aggressive and 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 picking him up were 
you know, kind of betting on that. And, and hopefully that's what ends up happening. Um, I know personally, I, I don't know if I ended up getting him anywhere. I actually had him on a couple teams um, earlier in the season. And, um, you know, there was, there was a tweet just about how they were just getting him started in, in early May and they were hoping to stretch him out by June. And then their injuries happened and kind of expedited the process a little bit. So a little bitterness there, but um, I, I think he'll be, I think he'll be solid moving forward. Yeah, I'm with you. I think he's going to be very solid. There'll be the, the couple hiccups like most young pitchers have, and there'll be the outings where he's like looking really good, and the first sign of problems, they'll yank him to quote-unquote save his innings. So there'll be some frustrating aspects like that as a fantasy owner, but uh, I think he's going to be very, very good. The strikeouts should be there pretty much time and time again. It's just a matter of can he avoid the hard contact. In a small sample, he gave up almost 54% hard contact. On, on his debut against the Cleveland Indians of all teams. So that might make you step back and think a couple times when he faces maybe the Astros or someone like that going, maybe I should sit and watch. But I think he's going to be very, very good. So I'm with you there. And you're pretty much going to run him out there and see what he's got since he spent that hard-earned cash. I mean, he's one of the first guys that I've been like, okay, I'm cool with seeing a bigger bid on him because, like you said, he feels like one of those kind of game-changer types, not like some other additions we've seen from time to time. All right. The next move is a potential closer, which is so funny because the one and only Vlad Sedler, we were joking around on a DFS night where Michael Fulmer came um, out of the bullpen and got lit up. I can't remember who they were facing. And I said something like, why would you bring in Michael Fulmer and something, blah, blah, blah. And uh, Vlad Sedler goes, because he's their best reliever. And we both laughed. Well, three weeks later now, Michael Fulmer is the closer, basically, of the Detroit Tigers. He picked up his third save on Monday night. He's three for three in save ops. And he got added in 231 NFPC leagues, as high as 216, as low as a dollar. I actually have him on a bunch of like DCs and best balls. I drafted him super late, just thinking a late pitcher to get innings at one point in time, not thinking I get saves from him. But I did not get him in. in I, I did a lot of keep him honest bids, and I got outbid by like five to ten bucks on most. Did you get Fulmer anywhere? And are you a believer? Because I think I think it's going to be his until he loses it, basically. Yeah, I mean there aren't a lot of options. Gregory Soto has been 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 absolutely Horrible. awful. Um, yeah, it's interesting. I mean, you know, he got the save, I think two weeks ago and then, um, he got the save, I think on, it was on Sunday, maybe, you know, that always boosts up the, the fab prices, but yeah, it looks like his, it, it's his gig. And I can, I think it kind of makes sense from their perspective. Um, you know, I wasn't super aggressive. It was kind of interesting. I was looking at his skills since he moved to the bullpen and they actually hadn't been that great. Um, you know, everything was kind of, um, you know, he was giving up a lot more in-zone contact. I want to say when I checked, his velocity had also dipped. Um, you know, at least it had dipped a little bit. It looked like it came back up with his last outing. So, again, we're dealing with small samples here, but um, he looks good. I mean, he's been producing, and, um, yeah, I, don't, I think that they don't mind having him in that role. I think at this point in time in his career for them, they don't see him as, like, a long-term guy for them. So one of the ways that they might be able to boost up his value a little bit is to show that he can be an effective reliever. So yeah, I mean, kudos to folks who were, I think, able to get him. It looks, or maybe it was, it was Monday. It was yesterday that he got the save. Yeah, he got his third save. Yeah. yeah. He got his third save yesterday. So yeah, I mean, it looks like a, a good move. Um, I think, you know, he should, he should be fine. He should be fine. Yeah, no, I, I like uh, that addition with him. Cause I like, you know, you had Soto, they tried Buck Farmer. They tried Garcia. They tried so many moving pieces there in Detroit. And for now, he actually looks like the most comfortable one there. That obviously can change pretty soon. But you also hit the, you hit the nail on the head is if he can just be productive for like a month 
they can potentially trade him like they did Shane Green or someone else and get something back as they continue the rebuild. So I, I like that uh, a lot. I think it's a good move for now. If he gets if he gets traded, we're in trouble, obviously. But if you get a month or two months of him saving games, get you 10 to 15 saves potentially, that might be all the wins that the Tigers get in two months, but you'll have the chance. That could be very, very productive. Another closer, which should make Toby uh, so Ooh. hot and happy, so hot, um, Hansel oh, Robles uh, got added in 192 leagues. As high as 301, I'm not sure I would have gone that high on him, but I did throw some bids out on him, that's for sure, because he looks good. I know you talked about it before. The velocity looks better. Things are going good. Colome has been kind of a mess, even though uh, I think it's Brandon Warren, of the he writes for the Twins. He mentioned that he's actually been okay over his last like four or five outings, but hey, I digress. And you got Rodgers. Taylor Rodgers has been a mess. This could be Robles stepping back into the closer situation and getting some. So what do you think about this one? Yeah, God, the, the Minnesota Twins, a story of failure, huh, this year? I saw that not only are they bad, but they've had the easiest uh, opposition so far uh, oh, wow. through the season. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, oh, man, that's 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 rough. Um, so, yeah, I mean, again, a story of futility with that bullpen, everybody giving up. I think Hansel's as good as any any shot. I mean, he's, he's improved this year. Um Especially recently, he's been a lot better. A lot of his metrics have, over his last five outings, um, have improved fairly dramatically. Again, we're dealing with with the small sample business uh, at this point in time. He hasn't been great this year, though. Like honestly, you know, he's riding a 167 BABIP, a 64.1% strand rate. He's not giving up home runs. Although I do think one of the funniest things in baseball is that I think he's given up five earned run, or he's given up six earned runs. And four of them were given up by Taylor Rogers oh, no. um, when, when, uh, when Hansel left him with runners on base. Mm -hmm. So again, I think he probably gets the next shot. And if he can keep doing that, I think it's just one of these things where with so many of these roles, nobody's got the job solidified until they prove mm -hmm. that they can be that guy. So if he, if he rolls off the next three or four without a hitch, then maybe he, he gets into that spot, but the twins have kind of been all over the place. I think column a, uh, has been pitching well. And so I, I could definitely see him getting back into the mix there uh, too. So again, with, I think a, the hard, such, the hard thing with specking on closers and spending a lot on closers, and it could just be that I'm doing it wrong, but it's just that no, so few guys are getting in there and it seems like they have a little bit of leash, you know, yep. it seems like you're hoping that in that next outing that they get, that they do really well. And then for a couple more times, in order for them to actually be in a spot where you can you can feel good when when it goes into the ninth inning that they're going to be the ones that get there. So with Hansel, I think he's next next guy up, and hopefully he can take advantage of it. We'll see what happens. Yeah, I think he's got the best chance to, to try to take advantage of it, but yeah, we'll see. There's a lot of moving parts, and Baldelli likes to go in situational pitching, so it could be one of those. You'll see lefties, and all of a sudden Taylor Rogers gets another shot, or there could be a lot of goofy things with Baldelli. That's, that's been proven time and time again. Uh, the question I'll pose to you, which was asked to me by a Twitter follower a couple days, I guess yesterday on Monday, and I told him Fulmer was my answer. If you had to pick one guy, would you rather have Fulmer or Robles? I'd rather have um, I'd rather have I'd rather, I think, Fulmer, I'd rather have Fulmer at this point. Yes, I'd at say this point. During, during Fab, I would have rather had Robles, but now I think I'd rather have um, I'd rather have Fulmer in that yeah. spot. So 
Yeah, that was my my thinking because it seems like it's Fulmer's job until he screws it up. Where Robles, like we just said, still kind of has a couple more hands in the cookie jar that might make it a little more interesting from time to time. Uh, let's go to the Los Angeles Dodgers, who are starting to get riddled with energy injuries. And uh, uh, I, this is a guy that does not feel sorry. I'm just sorry it happens. But um, Matt Beatty was picked up on 171 leagues, as high as $99. And people that actually jumped in on him, it worked out even better. Unfortunately, Corey Seager goes down to the IL on Monday after mm-hmm. Fab took place. So it just opened up another set of playing time. Beatty wasn't a guy I put anything out on because I just don't trust the Dodgers for playing time, period. And Lux is starting to play better in some other situations. But would, were you in on BD at all? No, a little bit. Like conditional bids, maybe $10, $15, something like that. He wasn't a big target. I mean, I think when you look at um, when you look at what the Dodgers are doing, I mean, they're all over the place, right? Like even, even um, uh, BD, like when you look at him, he didn't play on Friday against a righty. You know, doesn't play on Monday either. I think I only have the last six in front of me, but I think he only played like three out of the last five games before the fab window hit. They're adding poo holes. You got some other guys coming back from injury, like McKinstry. We kind of knew. We now know that Bellinger is also probably coming back at some point, uh, you know, relatively soon. So I just thought that, like you mentioned, they're the Dodgers and there's just too many moving pieces there. And it's really hard you know, plate appearances is, is part of the game. And so making sure that you get quality ones, although, I mean, BD is, is a guy who's good enough to play, I think. And he's shown that in the, in the majors with the Dodgers so far. So not super aggressive, definitely interested in having him if, if a couple of my other bids didn't work out, but you know, didn't end up getting him at all. Yeah. He's, he's like been good when playing, as you said, it's just, you know, pinch hit performance started, started pinch hit, day off start like he's just it's man it's, it'd be very very frustrating in the end if you just look at the total sample he's hitting 321 with a home run and 18 ribbies i guess if, if you're looking for the overall production standpoint but it's very very tilting when, we, when we're talking about you want at bats his are very very few and far between at times so that's tricky and you mentioned pool holes they got Sitsugo. um i just don't understand what the Dodgers are doing to tell you the truth i really don't get it uh the the, ne- the next edition is another closer and this is one that we've been talking about for quite some time, and now everyone – he's probably gone everywhere now. Uh, Tyler Rogers picked up in 165 leagues, as high as 178, as low as a dollar. He picked up three out of five saves um, from from uh, Friday through Monday. McGee got the save on Tuesday night because Rogers was off. I'll let you have the floor in a second, but I'm pretty sure the way I look at it, it's like 50-50 or like 60-40 Rogers. Like he'll get the main leverage, but McGee's still going to be there getting plenty of chances. So it's not like it's a – it's not like Fulmer where it's his show – but it's probably a little better than Hansel Robles, where there's only one other guy he's splitting time with. So I think it's a great move. You're going to get a lot of stuff. The one thing you won't get is strikeouts. They're not going to get strikeouts. So um, we've talked about him a lot. Do you have anything else to add on Rodgers? No, I mean, I know you've been on, uh, been telling people to pick him up for a little while now. Just one of those things, like you mentioned, he's not striking guys out, but it's can the other team string together a few ground balls, you know? Yeah. Uh, seeing eye ground balls, and that's that's not necessarily a bad way to go about it either. So... You know, if he's still available in your leagues, obviously pick him up quick. But, uh, yeah, he went, and he went for decent chunks of changing fab for sure. Yeah, like uh, on Monday night, I was watching that game. as he was closing it out, and he wasn't striking guys out. He actually had one that should have been a called third strike, and they didn't give it to him. But he was giving up singles that were, like, literally seven hoppers to center field, and then he grounded in a double play. It's for, And they were down three. So in order to, like, blow a save for him, and anything's possible in baseball – 
they're gonna have to get like seven hits together. And it's it's just you don't see teams doing that every day. So I I, I kind of like seeing him back there. I would love to see him strike guys out. Don't get me wrong, but uh, it, it is kind of nice to see. All right, we'll stick in San Francisco, and you know we talked about Posey's rejuvenated, Belts looked good, but now he's hurt. Um, and Brandon Crawford, he's got close to ten home runs already this season. He got picked up in 158 leagues for as high as 112. Wouldn't have gone that high, folks. But I think he's a good addition for now. Ride him while he's healthy. Ride him while he's hot. Uh, he's swinging really, really good bat. He's even yeah, home run today. Bases. Yep, even stealing a couple bases. Like it's ridiculous what he's doing. Um, in, in a world where we're looking for at bats and like some like the middle infield's getting depleted, everywhere's getting depleted. But um, I think Crawford's extremely viable, and I think that was a, a smart pickup for me. I think I've grabbed him in a couple leagues like a week or two ago. Uh, what's your take on Crawford? Yeah, I mean, I think we talked to, about him a little bit uh, last week as well, but you know, he's been solid again. The name of the game at this point for so many players is plate appearances, and he's getting them when he's as long as he's healthy. You know, the I don't think the home runs are sustainable necessarily right now. 26.5% home run per fly ball. That's higher than he's ever had and more than double his uh, career um, average. He's actually selling out maybe a little bit. His contact rate is down uh, pretty considerably, 4%. Um, so, and then you're seeing the barrel rate go up. So it may be a little bit of, you know, exchanging some strikeout slash contact for um, power it might be why we're seeing what we're seeing, but I don't see him as a guy who's going to be able to maintain that level of home run per fly ball. So, you know, again, ride him while he's hot. He's going to be getting plate appearances. He's adding that little bit of speed that we didn't necessarily anticipate, but he can, he can certainly contribute in 15 teamers, you know, in, in yeah, deeper leagues time. for sure. Big time. Yeah, 15-teamers, like a middle infield guy, I think he's super viable because, like, I've been adding, I know I'm not the only one, like, Freddie Galvis is, Jose Iglesias is, like, Crawford fits that mold, if not better, kind of. Like, he's right in that realm of the guys we're looking for in a 15-teamer. And the one thing I'll mention with Crawford, I wish Mike Curlin would have stuck with what he was doing or someone else can do it. Crawford made a stance adjustment. He opened his stance up, and Hmm. he worked on it over the spring. And it was, like, last one of the games last week, they were really breaking it down on how he opened things up to help him his, get his hips through more. Basically, he's getting old. He needs, to, he needs something to, to help speed things up on him. And I think that might be where the powers come back from. I agree. He's not a 25 home run hitter. That's not what he is. At the same time, I've watched a ton of games since 2000 in that ballpark, and I've never seen the ball fly out of it like it is right now. And this is, and this is with the archways open, so you can't even use that as an excuse anymore. Like it is, It's ridiculous watching some of the balls go out of that ballpark. So... You never know. I'll never say never when it comes to this kind of stuff, but I'm with you. I'd be shocked if he did. But, man, if he even hits like 15 homers, I know that's not a lot from where he's at now. That's a great year if you'd hold me from the start of the year. So we'll see what Crawford could do. He's already been banged up a couple times this year, and the Giants have tons of platoon options, like even Dubon's starting to hit. So he's not going to play every day, but he'll probably play five, five-ish, maybe six times a week, which is huge right now. Uh, the National League Player of the Week, it helped he played seven games in Coors. Don't forget Jeez. that. But uh, Josh Fuentes picked up in 157 leagues, as high as 136, as low as one. He's playing really well. I'm not going to say that, but it was Coors. And he gets Coors at the end of the week, so I see the appeal. Like, I grabbed him in some leagues for like six bucks, stuff like that. Some of these guys went from, like, like I said, 157 was the high. He's a body that's playing every day, so I get the appeal. But I think people need to tone down Coors Field and non-Coors Field production. <laughs> yeah, he's a warm body. I mean, they play, like you mentioned, three games you know, against the, the D-backs, I think, in Coors. So I think it's fine to add him for that. But 
I mean, just from like a met, like underlying metrics, if you believe in those at all, he's, he's got awful and you don't, you don't necessarily need those metrics in course field. Again, you, you're more than welcome to stream him there, but you know, he doesn't walk. Uh, he does limit the strikeouts a little bit, but he doesn't hit the ball hard. Um, like he's got one barrel on the year and four home runs. <laughs> hard hit rate is putrid. He's performing well above all of his expected metrics. Again, scores always does that. His, just everything is is horrible. Like it, it just sends a horrible message that Josh Fuentes is doing well because in everything except for his strikeout rate, he is well below average as a major leaguer. But it just shows you sometimes it's more about timing than it is about skill. Yep, he ran hot at the right time. Like I said, I added him for like five or six bucks. I didn't even start him on the first half of the week. I strictly got him four Coors Field on the weekend. That's all I wanted him for. And I really will probably drop him in another move this weekend. I I, I don't. I was shocked to see the aggressiveness on uh, one Josh Fuentes. And I'm also kind of shocked to see this one. But Rich Hill, the more I look at him, he's been pretty darn good. He's like sneaky good. Rich picked Hill. up in a picked up in 130 leagues. Don't understand the 265 dollar max bid. But he's coming off a three straight shutout outings. The last two of six innings or more struck out nine in his last time. It's his second time of nine or more K's in four starts. Like he's showing life. The last start was against the Yankees, too, which is you got to at least sit back and go, hmm, that's impressive. I'm still not like all in on Rich Hill, but again, with injuries galore, you got to give him a run, don't you? Oh, yeah. I mean, Rich Hill going to Rich Hill. You know, yep. I mean, his CSW, which is key for him because he throws that curve, you know. It's a lot, a lot of called strikes. Thirty-two point seven percent, his highest since twenty seventeen. You look at the underlying metrics. I mean, they all look pretty good. The BABIP is low, but he's generally been able to to maintain a a, a low BABIP because he's a fly ball guy. You know, he's fastball curve. Uh, strand rate seems reasonable. Eighteen point two percent K minus walk rate. Ten point five percent swinging strike rate. As I mentioned, the CSW is really, really good. You know, he's not getting chased outside the zone, but he's in the zone a lot. And he's he's getting batters started off on the right foot with the first pitch strike. So and in the zone, he's he's fine. He's right around league average. So you're looking at a slightly above league average pitcher to above league average pitcher. And he plays in a good park with the Rays. You know, they're going to kind of maximize his value and use him in smart ways. It's remarkable, honestly, like I had kind of given him up. Mm -hmm. <laughs> I haven't been a 20, a 20 team dynasty league and i haven't even been starting him because it feels like all his good games have come against like the yankees and uh you know like just i, I should look at his game log and just make sure that i'm not making things up but i feel like he got blown up early on by some uh yeah so his, his good games have come against the yankees the a's the Astros. He hasn't given up an earned run in those fifteen and two thirds innings. All, all the games he'd probably set him for, anyways. You're just like, I, I can't do it. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. I did it because he got blown up against the Royals, against yep. Texas, and against uh, the Marlins to start off the year. But it just goes to show you. I mean, just goes to show you that's what's so difficult about this game is uh -huh. you try to play those matchups, and sometimes it works out, and sometimes it doesn't, and it just you know, it's like yesterday with Garrett Cole. You know, you're like, Garrett Cole's got the Rangers. We are all set. And who's the team that he struggled against the most? It's now the Rangers. It's just, it's interesting how the matchups work, right? And you just got to hope over the course of a long season, you're making the right choices. Um, and you end up out in the positive when it comes to that. But that's always the danger of 
you know, sitting guys who are above, above the averages, they can, they can be good, you know, in yeah, a lot be. of different situations. Yeah. Yeah. Like you said, some people drafted him late in draft. Some didn't, but he's at least got the pedigree where you're like, okay, we know what he can do. Like we know what his ceiling is, even though I'm with you, I kind of thought we were past that type thing. And I also thought like the Rays would do raise things with him. So like, okay, we're going to let you go like three or four and, you know, do the, the piggybacking thing with him. But you know, so far, so good. So we'll we'll see how that one plays out. But uh, let's go to the next one here. And this one's interesting because Odebel Herrera, he was kind of brought up in fab discussions about week two or three as a potential guy, and then it kind of fell apart. But the Phillies are riddled with injuries as well. And he got picked up in 123 leagues. He had two more hits tonight to extend his hitting streak to seven games. He's hit safely in 11 of his last 12 games. He has been like eerily productive with some power. He's stolen a base. Um, he's, he's kind of somewhat resembling the Odebell of all he's hitting six tonight. So he's not like hitting at the bottom of the order either. It's really weird. And I like in 15 team leagues, Toby, the outfield cover is so barren. Like Odebell is very, very alive in that league. I don't know if I would, again, would have spent over a hundred bucks on him, but this is a guy like, you know, 12, 13 bucks, whatever. I'm like, okay, I get it. That makes sense to me. Yeah. Yeah. I actually picked him up in a couple places, but just like $3 bids, you know, two, $3 bids. Uh, as outfield outfield depth or because I have an outfielder who was injured or something of that nature. So, yeah, I mean, again, he's a warm body. He's playing pretty much every single day, especially with some of the struggles that the Phillies are having in terms of keeping guys healthy. So, I mean, he's fine. He looks like the same guy he was, you know, after, after a long break. You know, the strikeout rate is below league average. The walk rate's actually decent. He's actually got his, his best career. O swing thus far. So chase rate contact rate is right about where it normally is. Hard hit rate is right about where it normally is. Although recognizing that the lead context has changed around that three barrels, 6% barrel percentage, you know, so the, so the stat cast metrics have never been really good for him. Uh, They're not really good, but again, he's playing virtually every day and a guy who in the past has gone, you know, has hit 22 home runs and stolen as many as 25 bases, although that was long ago. I don't think he's going to do that. Maybe he can get you get you like 15-10 or something like that if he's able to get everyday at bats. And you know, and this year that could be that could be super helpful. Yeah, I, I definitely see viability with him. Like I said earlier in like week two or three when he was kind of getting whispered as a fab ad, I'm like, nah, there's too much going on there in Philly. But now it's like A, he's producing and B, they need him so badly. So uh, yeah, he, he's very, very viable and gets a strong pickup. If he's available for you still, even in 12 team leagues, I'd look at your situation because he's at least playing like every day and he's going to be, and it is a good offense still, even though it's banged up, it's still a very good offense. So I'd, uh, I'd roll with that one if you can. Uh, the next one is, is a very intriguing one. I picked this guy up, Nico Goodrum in the last couple of weeks in a lot of places because I, I saw what he was doing when I was playing DFS and it's the typical Nico Goodrum that we used to love. Toby, he's picked up in 117 leagues since the month, uh, since May 1st, the month of May. He's hitting 277. He's striking out almost 37% of the time. That's normal. But he's also walking almost 16% of the time. So a 404 OBP, which is very, very nice. Only one homer, but six stolen bases plus two caught stealings. So eight attempts in the month of May alone. So if you're looking for steals, this is a great source. If you're looking for multi-position eligibility, he's a great source. Um, he's not going to light the world on fire. But, man, a guy that can run like this, this is sneaky good. And Detroit's going to let him run. So I think it's a good pickup. Yeah, I mean, with Goodrum, he's he's one of those kind of typical fire and ice guys. Like, he will be really, really hot like he is right now. 
Um, or at least he was like last week. I think I haven't, I haven't looked at how he's doing like super recently, but, um, yeah, I mean, he's just, he's up and down super volatile profile, a lot of variants. Uh, he chases on like everything outside the zone. So yeah, I mean, you just, you just kind of ride it. I wouldn't, he's not, he's not a guy that I want to have necessarily on my team for, a really long time, but he's certainly a nice little fill-in because he can get hot like he has and kind of um, take off from there. So, yeah, and then he's got the the multi-position eligibility, um, or at least dual position eligibility as well, which is a really nice uh, benefit um, for him to have. And he may even add uh, outfield mm-hmm. uh, eventually. He's got those three games in outfield. So again, you know, not somebody that I think I'm relying on, but if you need speed and you're looking to just kind of catch lightning in a bottle, he's certainly a guy that can, that can kind of pull that off. And in OBP formats, like I said, 404 OBP, I was grabbing him. I think I have him in tout wars and, or no, I didn't get him in tout wars. I got him in other places though for OBP formats, big fan of that situation. So um, yeah, like that quite a bit. Uh, a couple other guys that were added, just get your quick thoughts. Like Harrison Bader. I think we talked a little bit about him last week. Everybody wanted Tyler O'Neill, then Bader took over, and Bader's pretty much playing over O'Neill now regularly. That was that was my big concern with O'Neill to begin with. Is Bader's got the glove and this, he's actually producing with the wheels. A Jonathan Daza, another guy coming off a big Coors week. He's got Coors at the end of the week. Uh, we talked William Contreras last week. Um, what about those bats? Anything stand out for you there? Yeah, I mean, the only thing I liked about Daza, I had him higher up in my in terms of my hitter conditionals. I did not get him. Um, is that he he's playing every day. You know, if you look at um I don't know how many games in a row he's played now, but he had played the last six games when I was looking over the weekend. So he's in there and he's a righty. And so he's not going to be subject to the platoon um, situation. And yeah, so he's fine. It's kind of funny, actually. Roster resource has him on the bench, but he's played like every game in the last little bit. So, I mean, I think it's kind of the similar thing with Connor Joe as well. Yeah. I know when in a lot of leagues, you know, in the deeper leagues, maybe not the shallower leagues, who so is not on this list, but just guys that you see those three games in, in, uh, in cores and you want to plug them in for that and think leave them on the bench if you can um, elsewhere. So yeah, that's kind of, that's how I, I feel about those three guys. We did talk about Bader last week. Yeah. You know, obviously Vince Velasquez, um, you know, I've been a believer for a long time. I have him a lot in a lot of, uh, my BCs, like, I don't even know how many, like 10 out of 15, probably. Um, I have Vinny B there, you know, some good things going on with him, but the walk rate, uh, scares the bejesus out of me. He's not getting chases on pitches outside the zone. Walk rates at 15%. Um, you know, and so he's right. He's relying on that 231 Babbitt, that nine, 93% strand rate, you know? And so when that, when that ish hits the fan, like it's, it, I don't think it's going to be pretty, but you know, in the meantime, uh, he could, he could, you know, help you out a little bit because he does have like some of the peripheral metrics that we talk about, like his swinging strike rate is certainly uh, above league average. He can be effective inside the zone. And so a good guy to have on your team and also just to monitor kind of see what he's doing with his pitch mix. I think that's always something that's important. Um, for him so those are kind of my general thoughts on on those other kind of some of the bigger names that that also win yeah i grabbed Vinny v as well in a few places and the funny thing is i didn't start him this week because miami likes to get to him quite a bit and i'm waiting oh, for that man, blow up destroy him yeah, yeah. So it's, I'm it's, like, it was I'm almost gonna, like yeah 
I'm just going to watch this one. And Jazz Chisholm's back. I'm hoping Jazz goes deep like he did on Tuesday. And then we'll plug Vinny in next week. And we'll just kind of go from there. So, But you mentioned the 15% walk rate. That's what he does. Like, he's so tilting. He'll have such great outings. Then he just, like, walks four guys and gets a home run. And you're just like, oh, there it went. Okay, that's Vinny V. That's the Vinny V experience, everybody. But, uh, like, the stuff is very, very good when he's on. But when he's on is a question at times. Um, one other guy I wanted to ask you about here, because with the D-backs injuries and now Carson Kelly – being out for quite some time on the IL, show. we might finally get the Dalton Varshow show. He caught on uh, the 15th a couple days ago. He started in the outfield, played center field, right field, and caught on the 14th. Um, he's been playing outfield a lot, but he might actually start moving to catcher here pretty soon. So every day at bats, potentially, for this prospect that could hit in the minors, hasn't really shown it in the bigs. Is he a guy, if he's still available out there, we know we talked William Contreras, we talked about a bunch of catchers. Is he a guy you'd look to add? Um, yeah, I mean, if you, if you need some, some catcher help, I, I'm going to call him Darth, Darth Varsha Darth from, from, from now on. I don't know why, but, um, yeah, I mean, he's not playing every day. He's played three of the last six games. You know, he is yet to hit. I mean, this is one of my, oh, my biggest regrets. God, I, I have so many DCs where draft champions leagues, where I have Varsho, I have a combination of Varsho, Leody Tavares and um Jimenez and it's just like you know it goes back to all we always say draft good players you know and then you get caught up in in maybe it's projections or or other things but with Varsho you know he um uh yeah I mean I think he's I think he's fine if I if I had a slot open for catcher I think he's a great play while uh Kelly is out just because he can contribute some of those things that that maybe a lot of catchers can't. And so I definitely think that he's worth a pickup there, especially in deeper leagues and your two catcher leagues, you know, obviously in one catchers, one, one catcher leagues, I don't think you have to worry about him um, too much, but um, yeah, I mean, I think he's, I think he's, I think he's fine. I wouldn't expect the world from him. I would just be, expect uh, hope for mediocrity with a couple of stolen bases. Yeah, no, I'm with you there. Um, let's get to some listener questions. We've got our buddy Rinaldi in the chats. So well, you get to go first, my friend, as you are joining us in here. And I'll kind of read you what he's got going here, Toby. We're going to kick it off. Is Can you guys discuss the sustainability, how much regression we should expect from Tony DiSclefani? Are there legitimate changes that's helped him reach a new level, or is this all smoke and mirrors? The velo is the same. The mix is almost the same. The ground ball percentage is much higher, but that's coming from line drives which we know isn't the most sustainable change. The one thing I will say is if you look at his pitch mix, he's basically dropped about 50% off the fastball and added that to a sinker, which might help with the ground ball percentage. Just going to throw that one out there because the slider is about the same, but the sinker is about um, – it jumped. I was just looking at it. The sinker jumped to um, 21% usage compared – it was 18 before, but the four seam dropped about 6%. So it kind of just flip-flopped uh, that stuff fastball usage to a sinker and up his curveball just a, a tick not a lot but uh it's just a heavy slider approach just the giants doing giants things heavy slider up the sinker just a little bit that's what i see but uh are you seeing anything when you look at the numbers toby that might i think it's sustainable for one to answer that question but um maybe not like a two four era guy but definitely like a low threes like a very very good pitcher sustainable yeah i, I think the jury's still out for me i mean if you think about um if you think about some of the pieces, I mean, the good is he's got 11.1% swinging strike rate. That's the highest swinging strike rate he's had in any season. Again, it's early on in the season. 
you know, it may be that that that, that kind of falls uh, closer to um, his career average. It's probably likely that he does. He's actually dropped a mile per hour in velo. So that's a little bit interesting there. I think he's being helped out a ton. Uh, his Babbitt heading into today was 211. So he's being helped a lot out a lot there. He's also being helped out with his strand rate, which is 85%, um, and a career low home run per nine at 0.78. So I would anticipate that there's going to be some pretty decent regression coming his way over the course of you know the season. But at the same time, like you mentioned, Bubba, there's regression there. But the question is, what is he going to rest to, right? He owns what he's been able to do so far. And so I think, you know, projections have him at like a low fours ERA for the rest of the season. So if he does that for the rest of the season, you know, you're looking at a guy who, um, who like you mentioned, Bubba, is in, the, is in the threes with his ERA, you know, decent whip if he continues not to walk guys. Again, I think it might be a little bit lower than it, than it should be. Um, he is in the, the zone a, a decent amount and he's, he's um, you know, starting guys out with first pitch strikes at a higher rate than he has uh, ever before in his career, but he doesn't generate a ton of chase. So I think overall, like you're probably looking at, you know, like, like rest of the season, you know, low fours, ERA, one, two, five whip, you know, slightly less than a strikeout per nine. And again, you know, pitching in the park that he does and on the team that he does where they've just been really effective at getting pitchers to, to hit their peak. I think, He's, he's fine to have moving forward. I don't think he's going to be extraordinary. I think this is probably the best of what we'll see from, from Tony Disco the rest of the season. Um, so, yeah. So, that's kind of my general my general thoughts on it. Yeah. If he can keep the sinker ball working, the ground balls should be there. Maybe not the 54%, but I think that's the key. As long as the sinker's doing this thing, we know what happens if the sinker flattens out. Not good for anybody involved. So, that that's the going to be the big key for him. Execute the slider. Keep the sinker low in the zone, and he's going to be good. But I wouldn't be shocked if he has one of those outings where it's like four home runs, and it's just dreadful. We've seen that from Disco in the past. Wouldn't be shocked if we saw that again. So that's definitely a possibility. But uh, a good uh, SP3 for the Giants and probably a good SP4 or 5 in your rotation because you didn't draft him, or if he did, he was free. So definitely something to uh, to comment uh, to keep in mind there. Let's get to these listener questions here. We got, let me see. I have do, do, do. Okay. Um, Dave Petroziello, he asks, I need encouragement since the last week has been a nightmare with injuries, slumps, and pitcher blowups. Now nah, I'm good. I'll just keep grinding and stick with the process. That was a statement, not a question. Okay. Yes. We're all there, Dave. We're all starting to stay positive. It's all, uh, all grinding. quite the grind, my friend. Quite the grind. So just keep your head down and enjoy. Uh, let's go to the next question here. Our buddy Rand Simon. 12-team mixed 5x5 five five Roto. I have Lamette and Weathers. Thoughts on holding or dropping? Thanks. I, I wouldn't have either, especially in a 12-team. But I'm, yeah. I'm very I'm very anti-Lamette to begin with. But uh, I, I would hope you'd have better options in your 5x5 five five Roto than Lamette and Weathers, but that's me. Yeah, I, I, I totally agree with you there, uh, Bubba. I think um, you know neither of them is really showing that they're capable of throwing enough innings to even get you a win. And they're not necessarily, they haven't really been that effective in the, in the bullpen. Um, or not that they haven't been that effective in the bullpen, but it's not like they're in like high leverage situations, you know, yeah. or, and they haven't been able to pitch enough to get, yeah, to get you those wins. So I just think they're, they're kind of in a little bit of no man's land there. And especially in a 12, I think there are much better options. They're similar players like, you know, TJ Anton may be available in your 12, yeah. in a 12. 
um, or a similar player like like that that I'd rather have than, than those guys. Yeah, one, t- one time you probably had Patino out there or a McClanahan or some young arm that you could play with. Uh, go look at Bubik. I'd, I'd rather roll the dice with Bubik going six-plus for the Royals. I know it's not sexy by any means, but I'd rather do that. Or even um, the kid, I believe it was Davidson, that came up for the Braves today. Keep an eye on him. He looked, he looked really good in his first two AAA starts. And with um, Yanoa punching a wall, being out for some time, <laughs> Davidson might get <laughs> Davidson might get some shots, and I'd rather give that a shot than Lamette and Weathers personally. So, oh yeah. man, when are man. they going to learn? When are these guys going to learn, Toby? If you're going to hit <sighs> anything, which is dumb to begin with, don't hit them with your pitching hand. Like, dude, you're breaking out. You're mm-hmm. breaking out, and now you're literally you breaking got a out. shot, and it's just ah. Oh. <sighs> Man, brutal. Uh, apology or my yeah. I'm sorry to those those owners out there who have who who had you know because it was a great pickup. It was a great pickup. Um, so yeah, yeah, that's a brutal one. It's like it's one thing when a guy runs out of ground ball and pulls his hammy or does other things. The dude literally was healthy, went to the dugout and injured himself. Like that's just. Uh, struggling, but we move on. We're staying positive, Toby. We are staying positive. It is a quarter mark of the season. We are um, staying positive, Bubba. There's a lot yes. of good things happening in baseball Lots right now. Ones. Yep. Yeah. Including uh, if anybody has MLB Network, I guarantee you they're checking in on the Detroit Seattle game because Seattle's trying to go for another just disaster on their wow. hands. Another they're one. Like, it's like it's a weekly occurrence, Toby. It's they're <laughs> like, hey, can, can we get three no hitters? The thing I lo- really love about this no hitter, actually, the fascinating thing about most of them. I have a bunch of Rodon on my teams. I have a bunch of Means on my teams. And I have a bunch of Turnbull on my teams. So it's meant to be. And still, remarkably, my pitching ratios are not good. Hmm. <laughs> it's because we have Giolito and Castillo. We'll yeah. get to that, though, here in a second. Um, but, yeah, the, the, the Mariners, baby. Uh, Matt Olson at MOLS10 asks, what's the newest source of data that you're incorporating in your analysis this season? It's a good question. Mm, it's a great question. You know, I thought about this one for a little while, and I wouldn't say that there's any new particular data that I'm integrating more seriously into my analysis. But I do think that the most valuable thing is because the analysis of skills is ubiquitous. Like it's everywhere, right? Like everybody, like a week doesn't go by where we're notified of every single guy who has had a decent game. Right, who may who could be like popping out or whatever. It's really being able to monitor the news and digest the news and stay on top of the news and figuring out. And I think this is a place where I struggle figuring out what are your trusted sources for of information for for that type of things because so much of so many situations are so murky that if you can get that little nugget from the beat writer, um, it, it's it's great. Um, and then Rob, Rob actually brought up a good one. Yeah. Um, you know, Sarah's stuff plus and command plus I have been tracking that as well. There's, I mean, Eno's doing phenomenal stuff. Um, yeah. I don't know what his name is. I think his name is max something. He's at choice field choice. underscore. Oh, the guy that's helping him. The guy that's helping him make these. Yeah. Max Bray or great. Yeah. I don't yeah. Know. Something like that. Like they're putting out really good stuff. Like McClanahan, they put out stuff yeah. that was essentially saying that after 75 pitches, they already you knew. Get a sense yeah. of how somebody's stuff plus 
works out, right? And I think yeah. that that's, and they're always refining it, which I just love. So yeah, that yeah. is a, a great shout out there. Yeah. Um, you know, that's what I would say. And I, but I really do think that news piece and, and, and knowing those trusted sources of news and being able to find those right nuggets of info that can give you a leg up on the competition because everybody is there now with the mm -hmm. stat cast metrics and, and underlying metrics. Like everybody does that now, you know, at least in the most competitive leagues. And so it's really hard to gain an advantage there. So I think it is like kind of that news, but I agree like, you know, is doing incredible stuff mm -hmm. and, and everybody who's working on the stuff plus and command plus, I really do enjoy, enjoy that stuff. And I think part of it is also figuring out like, what is the application of that to fantasy? You know, right. what does that mean from a fantasy baseball perspective? Because it isn't quantifiable like some stuff where you're like, oh, I see this guy's swinging strike rate surging. So I he should get more strikeouts. Yep. With stuff plus, it tells you like this guy's stuff is really good, but you don't know what, where that's going to impact on the on the kind of landscape. So, yeah, anyways, I'll stop talking now. But that was a great shout out. No, that's that's a very good one. There's a lot of good ones. And I try my best when there's new stuff out to have them on bench with Bubba. So people, job. Like, like at least people can hear it from the source and like if you like it you like it if you don't um one i'm, I'm keeping an eye on and seeing how it rolls as carlos marcano makes specs for um pitcher list go check that out it's more of a bats thing but does stuff for pitching um i've had um oh man the aces i got totally skipping on names i'm so so oh, sorry um, um aaron saceta aaron saceta i had him on for aces and he's developed a hitting one as well that was very very informative and he used to work a lot with eno and they still kind of do but yeah, he's um, at the athletic now, right? Yeah, he's at the athletic and he comes out with an article like almost weekly or bi-weekly using his metrics to kind of identify pitchers and hitters going forward. So that's a really good one. Um, basically, the gist of what I'm trying to say is I can be lazy at times or I'm actually busy with other stuff. So I love when people give me content that I can just read and kind of gives me the information for me because there's so many good metrics out there that you can take so many. Whatever works for you is the best answer I'm going to give you. But like CSW is still amazing. Absolutely amazing. That's such a, a great one. That's been out for a couple of years. So, yeah, there's a ton of good ones. I think the Command Plus, Stuff Plus is one of the, the leaders in the clubhouse for the newer things. Mm. But there's so many things. And sometimes sometimes simple is good. Like, do what works for you. Don't try to go too far with all the crazy new stuff because you might just drown and forget about the basics of, hey, sometimes K-minus walk goes a long ways. Like the little things. So um, go along that route, too. Yeah. Right. And one thing, one thing also is like, is like velocity is, is it like yeah. velocity is it? you look at all the guys that are breaking out this year, the vast majority of them have significant velo bumps, you know, like, I mean, name a guy who's doing really well this year that wasn't anticipated and he probably had a velo bump and these happen in season. Like a good example is Ross Stripling. Ross Stripling's velo has been up the last couple of games and his, his underlying metrics have improved dramatically over that period of time. And so, you know, and he's still available in some places. And so it's kind of like, you know, if you didn't get him last week, I had him on a lot of my list, but not at the top and I ended up getting some of them. But like, those are the types of things that like, you know, like Bubba said, don't forget the basics, like look for those velo changes because you're looking for a reason why somebody has gotten better. Because guys can be good because they just face the Marlins or because they just no hit the Mariners or whatever, but that doesn't actually tell you whether they're they've made a change that could be sustainable or not. So, yeah, and the last the last major resource. And this is kind of a tongue in cheek, but deserves its own love because it's awesome. It's not really a metric per se, 
but just follow the bloom boards. Like he's doing a men's season now, and it just keeps you kind of updated on the ever-changing aspects of certain things. It involves velocity sometimes and other things that are just like, huh, didn't think of that one. Thank you, Ryan. So uh, something else to look at there. Just be on Twitter. There's so much good stuff out there. Like there's a lot of bad stuff on Twitter. Don't get me wrong, but a lot of great content out there. Um, Little Book of Calm, he asks, my question this week is about league depth. What is the best way to reference my home league depth when asking for advice? Example, I'm in two 12-team leagues with vastly different waiver wire depths. In one league, there, is seven, there are seven hitters on the wire over 50% owned and 33, 33 over 20%. In the other league, there are only five hitters over 20% owned. Both are 12-teamers. For context, what does the ownership percentage look like at the top of the wire in 12 and 15-team NFBC leagues? I'd say flat out your second 12-team league resembles a 15-team league wire pretty much. <laughs> maybe maybe worse, but um, yeah, that's, that's an interesting question. You're in a really um, challenging league, I'd say, that second one. Yeah, I mean, I think um, in the a lot of IL is, spots, probably a lot of IL spots is my guess. Yeah, the um, the I think the question was framed around like what what it, when I'm asking for help or when yeah. I'm asking for info, what do I say? It's really hard because I think I think if you just say the things that are key for people to know is the number of teams, you know. What, is it five by five roto? You know, what yeah. are the categories if they're not traditional categories? Cause that have a, can have a dramatic impact on, um, you know, on player valuations. Sometimes it's impossible. Like sometimes people are like, I have an 11 by 11 league. Like who do yeah. I rather have? And it's just like, I don't know, man, because yeah, you're in a because there's so many. Game. Yeah. It's just, it's just too much to be able to, to in your head calculate like what the value difference might be. So I think number of teams, you know, the type of league, the style of league, you know, the settings there. And then just say whether it's deep benches or not deep benches, because I think the challenge is, is like, there may be people out there who will do this in their analysis. But for me, like when somebody asks me a question like that, you know, I, I give my best shot, right. With whatever I've looked at or my research, sometimes I don't respond to people and it's not because I don't uh, value them reaching out or something like that, but it's because like, it actually, I want to spend the time to figure out like, what is the best thing to recommend to them? Like, and if I don't have the time to go and view the different player pages, it's impossible. But like, so just say that and say deeper, shallow, because we're not looking at it like, oh, you have an eight person bench versus a seven person bench. And so that's different. Or, you know, you have a 15 player bench versus a 13. Like we, we're not smart enough to figure out what the difference is going to be unless we use an auction calculator to figure it out. So just give that general like 12 teams. Five by five roto, traditional roto, shallower benches. Who's and that's helpful because then I can say like, oh well, there's probably outfielders out there if you're in a ten team league, you know, and and you're wondering if you should drop an outfielder or a relief pitcher who has saves or something like that. So that that I think is what is most helpful to know the context. Yeah, the context is best you can, as Toby said. And in reality, we're not going to know everything ever. It's just every league's like he he makes a great point. Every league's so different in full aspects. Like I write. The outfield waiver wire. We use Yahoo, fifty percent or less rostered, and I have so many people in different chat groups where the article gets posted. Go, this guy is not even outfield eligibility in my league. I'm like, I can't help you. Like, this is what we go off of, and everything's so different. I don't, I don't know what to tell you. So it's it's a, it's an ever evolving landscape, which is fun because the game's getting catered to what your league likes. But the simplicity of just answering a question doesn't really exist anymore is basically what it comes down to. Um, our buddy, Mr. Buxton, Dan the Goat, at Dan McEwen, says, My question is a bit outside the box this week. 
My top two starters are Lucas Giolito and Luis Castillo. How do I go back in time and stop myself from ever being born? Well, we have a support group that meets every Tuesday night at 8 p.m. Uh, Pacific time, if you're curious. <laughs> so, yeah, yeah, we're we're both there. Should we call it the 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 Casito fan club? The Gio Leo. Yeah, Gio Leo. Um yeah. Man, it's a rough, it's a rough, that's a rough start. I also have like Giolito and Nola, you know, yeah, in a couple with spots. Like, yep. I have a lot of Giolito so, bottom line, and that's yeah. It's I still great. I still believe like um I still believe there's been some great content written about uh Giolito. Um Mike Mike Yagetto, uh pitcher list wrote a great thing. It's a lot some of it's just about his arm slot, and it makes sense because the day he got blown up in Boston. He was talking on some different interviews, and he believes he was tipping pitches, which means his arms. So he's been trying to fix his mechanics ever since then, and that can really. And that's why when you look at a, you read Ajeto's comments or column, he's got the different release points on his pitcher on his pitches, and you can tell he's in a like he's in between spots basically right now. So, not saying that's the only thing to fix because there's awfully the velocity's down, which is super concerning to me. But uh, I still think there's hope with him compared to like. Castillo was I loved what we saw on Tuesday night with eleven strikeouts. There's still a lot of like, oh no, like we got a long ways to go, buddy. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we do. We really do. And it's hard to it's hard to maintain that, you know. Yep. Um, that that long term focus. But it's like I told some people that asked, like, are you like I said, I tweeted it and one of my most I liked tweets I've had in a while is I'm using Castillo in a two pitch start this week. And some people were like, Well, why are you doing that? And I said, the way I look at it, guys, he's already buried my ratios to a point that it's like impossible not impossible almost impossible to bring them back to any semblance of greatness but i could potentially get one or two wins and a lot of strikeouts so let's go help some other categories out that's my best case scenario right now compared to some other options on my bench might be the wrong philosophy a quarter of the way into the season but that's where i'm at with him right about now because he has destroyed everything the way it can only go up from here right (laughs) Yeah, and I mean the thing is, you gotta always put your best pitchers out there, and like yeah. we're super mo- moved, and and we take the recency bias, we hold it strong, right? But when you look at like when you look at things, you gotta figure out who gives you the best chance. Like Castillo could very easily. I mean, he's got Milwaukee at the end of the week. He could very easily put together an eight inning start with 12 strikeouts, you know, four hits and one walk, no earned runs. And then he just gave you an absolutely awesome week, right? Where he's got you plus in, you know, he's got you plus whip plus ERA ton of strikeouts. strikeouts. (laughs) Yeah. Like, like, yeah. I mean, I just, those are that, that's what he's capable of doing. We've seen it before. And just, just the fact that he's got us, all these th- bad things going for him. Like, you know, something similar happened to him in 2018 and we forget because he was great in the second half and he was great in 20, you know, um, 19 and we j- and 2020. And so we just got to hope that he gets back to that point. And today was certainly a good step in that direction. I think. Yeah. With Castillo and Gilito, I keep telling myself that they still are very, very good pitchers. They might not be the elite pitchers we expected them to be this year, but they're still very, very good. That most options you added on the waiver wire or on your bench probably aren't better than them. And in the grand scheme of things, we remember back to like previous seasons where guys like Cole and other great pitchers started out horrible 
and then they put two thirds of a season together, and you basically forgot that the first third of the season even happened. Like in the end, Castillo's ERA is still going to be dreadful no matter what he does the rest of the way. It's going to be tough, but he can get you wins and get you a boatload of Ks and like help you so many other places going forward. Like that's all we can do now is go forward. Like we we can sit here and you know cry about the past, but. There ain't nothing we can do about that. That's locked into our our standings. So I'm just I'm hoping we see progression. And today was a good sign of it. And also, uh, Turnbull is through seven no hit innings at like 84 pitches. So we are moving right along in Seattle, folks. <laughs> good old Seattle. Thankfully, I have have Turnbull. Yeah, the bull, the bull. Um, Andrew Matney asks, <laughs> doesn't really ask so much, but says it. Why did the Mets hate me? I'll hang up and listen. Thanks. Yeah, Andrew's a good buddy of mine. He, we share a main event team. Um, yeah, the the Met. What happens to the Mets is always totally inexplicable. Like this week, it was just like the cascade. You know, it was like Comforto goes down, and then McNeil like, goes yeah. down, and then Pilar gets hit in, in the face. face. Did you see the the interview today? Like the, with the, he sat in front of a camera and like a press conference. So you could see oh, all the dude. bruises and everything. Oh my! I've seen boxers in a twelve-round fight look seen better. In the face yet? Uh, yeah, it's, it's a tough one. If you don't like, if, like if you don't like UFC or something, don't watch that. Yeah. Oof. The fact that they had to literally put on the app. So I, most of the time, I just have like the MLB app on my phone out while I'm doing something, and it said um, game delayed, basically cleanup. So I'm kind of seeing what they're doing. Went to Twitter. They stopped the game to clean up blood around home plate. Mm. That's what they were doing. I'm like, that's not good. <laughs> I don't care who you are. That's not good. So, yeah, he's a uh, sucks. He was playing good, too. Playing really good. So, But the Mets also made some foolish decisions, too. Like signing no, not the Mets. McCann. Not the Mets. <laughs> like, I didn't understand that. They signed him after, like, a, they could career have got year, a shortened career year. Like, that was just inexplicable to me. I mean, I also didn't agree with the Taiwan Walker signing, and he's been no, he's, been and he's already hurt. He he left hurt too in his last. I year. know, but they continued to pitch him. They knew he was hurt heading into that the start. Mets. Like it's the Mets, like what they they what did it with the Grom. He Grom. They get two more starts after the first blip. Now he goes on the island. He's supposed to start Saturday. It's it's so hard. And um, now Cindergard's rehabbing. We'll see how. The, but he's got a setback now. Oh, did he? That's what I saw. Maybe I read. Maybe I read it wrong, but. It's just something. It's always something. I I feel sorry for you. I really do gonna do. Unfortunately, Jets are gonna Jets. Mets are gonna Mets. Must be a New York thing. I don't know, but uh, pretty rough deal there. Thankfully, All right, a couple more questions here. Phony fans, front so office ninety. That a baby, Andrew. You're you're in the right team. And uh, phony front office ninety nine says, "What are your thoughts on Kluber, Tyon, and Singer rest of season?" Uh, Kluber, Tyon, and Singer. Um, let's let's check it out. Um, so with Kluber, I know like he started off slow and he had been better. I don't. I didn't see what he did in his last outing. Um, he got hit hit around a little bit. He got hit he's, around a little bit. He starts again on Wednesday in Texas. He yeah, didn't get hit around a ton, but he's just he's not. Yeah, he's not the same Kluber for me. Yeah, he's slightly. I mean, there's there's some really positive things like. 13.4% swinging strike rate, um, really nice O swing, you know? So a lot of things should be good. It's looking like kind of Kluber of, of old a little bit, but um, some of the K and, and walk metrics are not good. Like he's got 12.4% K minus walk. Um, BABIP, is, BABIP and strand rate seem relatively reasonable. Um, 
you know, I think he's due some positive regression in that walk rate. I, I don't, I, I don't see, um, I don't see that really holding up to snuff. Um, let's see what his CSW is. Um, his CSW is 29.6. So slightly below league average. Yeah. It's just kind of meh, you know, and especially in that division, I think it's really tough. Um, Tyone, I haven't really been into at all. Yeah, got hit around again today by Texas. Yeah. So, but I mean like 13.5% swinging strike rate, 25% K minus walk. You know, what are the issues? The issues are home run issues. Yeah. But there's, there's going to be regression there. So actually I think looking under the hood at, at Tyone, he actually looks. I'd rather really have good. him than Kluber. Yeah. He is giving up an extremely high barrel rate, 12.5%. So it's not like he's getting unlucky, but just over the course of a season, I think, that'll kind of even itself out and, and it won't be 2.16. So even if it gets down to, you know, what he's got projected for like about a one five or something like that, I think he should do decently well just because he's not walking guys and he's actually, the strikeout metrics actually look um, pretty strong. So uh, I don't mind, I don't mind Tyone at all. And the last one was uh, Brady, Brady Singer. Singer. I, I don't have him anywhere. Under and, the hood is actually interesting with him. Yeah, uh, yeah, I'm not digging what I'm seeing under the hood. You know, low swinging strike rate, really bad first pitch strike rate, not a good chase rate. You know, in the zone, he's been better than last year, but he's still about league average. So the walk rate should be high. The strikeout rate should be low unless he's got a really high CSW. 30.9. So he's just getting he's just getting a lot of called strikes. So that actually seems where he's at actually seems kind of reasonable, like just from both a walk and a strikeout perspective. So this kind of seems like who he probably is. So with looking at all of that, I mean I'd say probably Tyone Kluber Singer, maybe, you know, would be yeah. kind of the Singer order that Singer Singer limits that quality of contact though. Like limits it big time compared to those other two. So I, I yeah. that that stands out to me as something I like quite a bit, but maybe that's something I look at more than uh, I I should. But he, he, the barrels, the hard contact, much much lower. And I, if he, if you want to give up more contact, which he's probably going to do, but keep it in the ballpark, I'm all game. So um, I, I, that's where I stand on Singer. That's why I kind of like him. I'd probably go tie on Singer Kluber. Like I just have nothing. I don't want Kluber, but. Um, I'd say all these guys are pretty much streaming guys. I'm not sure you're going to lock them in every week. Depending, it's more of a matchup based situation with the three. I'd say that much for sure. But um, yeah, it's. It, I think Singer's interesting. He's had a couple rough ones, but like one of his roughest ones, he got Angel Hernandez to death, and he got tossed. Um, it, it was bad. The coach got tossed. He got tossed. Um, he basically told Angel Hernandez he's horrible for the game. It was. I, I wanted to give him a trophy for his for his argument. It was great. But um, I, I think he's interesting, and he's he's still that prospect pedigree. Is there? He's twenty four years old, so I don't know. I guess I'm just having hope for Singer still, but uh, we'll wait and see on that one. Uh, the next question we have here, I believe it's from Phony Front Office as well. He says um, he also asked, and uh, Rinaldi asked as well. Any thoughts on Lourdes Gurriel? Because he's been ultra tilting right now. Yeah, let's see. Let's take a look like at it's our barrel rates down, hard hit rate. Everything is down. Everything is down. Yeah. Yeah. And his, and his X stats are rate that is far up. Off. Contact rate is fine. He's hitting a lot of ground balls. Not a lot. A lot of line drives. 
So that'll kind of even out maybe a little bit. Yeah, the ground balls are elevated. Uh, max EV is down. Barrel rate is slightly below league at really below his typical average. But if he were to get two barrels in his next game, it'd be right there aligned with his kind of um, career norms. So yeah, there seems to be the quality of contact issues. I think quality of contact issues are always the hardest because you're trying to figure out what's going on. Like, is the guy injured? Right. I know. I didn't. Did he have COVID? Um, the beginning I, of the year, or was I know. T. T. I think he's just. I want to say he's contact because T. Oscar did, and he's out for a while. Okay. I want to um, say Lourdes was contact. Yeah, I think there's that, but also remember that Lourdes is incredibly streaky. I yes. mean, he will be the best hitter in baseball for a month, and so you just want to make sure that you don't miss out on that. And it's just hard to pin it because we don't know of any injury for why his why this has happened. Again, the Blue Jays do have the hardest schedule. They've faced the hardest schedule um, according to the uh, strength of schedule that I was, that I was looking at. So that's one thing to be considering too. Um, that definitely gives some credence to Vlad's breakout as well. Um, hmm. I, I would say the rest of the team's hitting pretty that. good. So I don't really this, know how to, how to they, yeah, I know, right? This, this <laughs> Blue Jays, this Blue Jays hat is, is my Robbie Ray hat actually. Um, uh, but yeah, so I think I would hold on to him in deeper leagues, you know, in 12 team leagues, even I, I want to have him around because again, like he has had some stretches of time where he, I think he's, didn't he set the record for like most multi-hit games in a row? Something, Something like, like that. He, he, like, he was he was hot. He, he got hot at times. Like the thing I'm seeing the most is he's chasing the ball more than he did before, yeah, and his and his chase contact went down. So that's obviously going to affect your quality of contact when you're chasing the ball. It's harder to barrel yeah. the ball up there, and um, that also obviously also leads to probably more ground balls if you're chasing yeah. balls outside and kind of flapping at them. Totally. So I, I think that I think it's more of just you know get honed in at the plate. But a lot of these guys like to chase, like that's what they do, and it's uh, you don't want to completely take away their aggressiveness either. So. Like he's good, but it's going to get to a point here when these guys start getting all healthy. The odd man out is going to be somebody like Telez isn't playing well and Guriel's not playing well. So who sticks around? That's yeah. going to be the. We've already seen Telez go down once and come back. Does it happen again? It's going to be tough to tell. That'll be the interesting one with those two. But uh, it gets the embarrassment of riches for the Toronto Blue Jays. Uh, Cousin Timmy asks in preseason, in preseason hopeful, Andres, Andres Jimenez is going to turn it around and get some play, playing time or what? After this question was sent, about an hour later, he was optioned to AAA. So I think I think that answers your question. Yeah, what am I he's going to get regular playing time in AAA. He will. <laughs> what a, what a mistake that was. <laughs> oh, God. Well, to be fair, Toby, a you weren't the only one. B there were so many conflicting reports. Like he was supposed to be the leadoff guy for the for Cleveland. That's what it looked like, and then it just went. He's supposed to be the leadoff guy and the starter. He wasn't supposed yeah. to be in a platoon, Bubba. Yeah, now he's in AAA. Oh God! Yeah, and but... Rosario's not even playing shortstop full time. It feels like it's all over the board. Oh so. God, Rosario's awful too. He's hitting like yeah. two twenty, which is probably league average. Unless you're the Mariners, then it's like way above league average. Yeah, it's pretty wild stuff. Uh, we got one more question here. JB at Beat Rick and Frank asks, does Joey Wendell or Nico Goodrum have any value? We talked about Nico Goodrum already, which I kind of consider. Should we should we be considering? Uh, we'll start with that. Does Joey Wendell or Goodrum have value? I think Goodrum does. I, I think Wendell does too, but what do you think? Um. Yeah, I think for Wendell, it's uh, mostly about playing time. Yep. 
for me um, and the depth of the league. Like I wouldn't want to be anywhere near him in like a 12 team. Oh no, 15 for sure. And he's flexible. Position flexibility, huge. Yeah. So he looks kind of like doing what he, he does. Um, I'd I'd rather have Wendell than Brandon Lau. (laughs) But I've never been Brandon Lau to begin with, but that's just wanted to throw that one out there real quick. Lau can get on heaters too though. Lau can get on Mm -hmm. heaters too. Um, yeah, Wendell, he's played, he plays against right. He's not against lefties. So just something you got to be mindful of and yep. pick your spots. But in deeper leagues, I think Wendell is, is fine enough. The other one was, should we be considering adding Manny Margot? Manny Margot tilts me, Toby, because I liked him early. He's really had a rough go, but he shows flashes of power and speed. Like we, you want to talk streaky. Here's one right there. So I'd say 15 teamer. Sure. But it's tough. It's really he hits in good spots in the raise order when he's hitting. Yeah, I mean, I think I think he's I think he's fine. Again, it's so tough with the raise hitters because you never know. And there's not always with Margot, there's not always method to the madness. You know, it's like, yeah, he'll probably hit against lefties, but you know, they won't really be consistent with him in hitting righties. He has played five out of the last six games, though, in right field. So, you know, I think. Margot is kind of who he is, right? Let's not let's stop trying to make him yeah. somebody he isn't. Um, you need him for stolen bases. He's not going to give you a ton else, I don't think. But it's certainly useful. Like over the course of a full season, he's on like a 16 home run, 16 stolen base pace. Like that's that's fine. What you want? With, yep. Yeah, with like 88 RBI and sixty-four runs. You know, it's not awful in a in a fifteen teamer. It's actually fine. Good. Especially if you can elevate that batting average a little bit. Yeah. Um, which and, I think should happen. His Babip is his Babip is low. So he'll get going. I'm not worried. That whole team is struggling offensively. Take Tuesday out of the equation where Matt Harvey it got Matt Harvey. But yeah. uh they've been they've been really, really struggling. So I'd expect that to change with a lot of these teams. We'll see though. It's a wild season of baseball, Toby. But um that will wrap us up on episode 84 all the questions are done um we had a good good um you know breathing session with our gia leo side our our, our our cast castito situation so uh any, any final thoughts as we have wrapped up seven weeks we're a quarter of the way through the season uh no my final thought is this is the batting average of the mariners lineup <laughs> 167 264 that's the that's the peak 223, 233, 241, 169, 180, 145, and 195. That's all. Yeah. That's what I'm going to leave everybody with. It's, 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 it's pretty wild stuff. And once a week, you can guarantee a chance that they're getting no hit through at least six. So uh, have fun with that one. If you're streaming, stream against the Mariners. Um, have, it's, it's, it's good stuff there. But you can find Toby on Twitter at BatFlipCrazy. I'm at BDNJick. If you can rate and review both podcasts, Bench with Bubba and the, the uh, BatFlipCrazy podcast, we would much appreciate it. And until next time, we will catch you guys later. That is going to wrap us up for episode 180 of the Batflip Crazy podcast. Uh, thank you so much for listening. Um, as always, really appreciate everybody who uh, who tunes into the pod um, and listens to, to Bub and I. Um, yeah, really, just really appreciate it. So week seven in the books. Next week, we'll be taking a look at week eight fab, answering listener questions as well. As always, those 
listener questions are always super, uh, super helpful. So please continue to send those in and, and love those and love answering those and making sure that we're being responsive to, uh, to the needs of, of our community. So, all right. Best of luck with all of your fantasy baseball leagues, your pitching and your injuries. Take care and be kind to one another.